So we pick up the narrative in the Bible on Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. So we'll pick it up there. And this passage says, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you have heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So now I invite Nick to come and help us understand the Lord's work better. Sorry, the Lord's word better. Nick, thank you. Well, keep your Bibles open as we work our way through the passage. There are some um, sermon notes. They're there and there and there and there and at the back. Uh, If you'd like some sermon notes so you can write in some notes, there's a word search there as well if that helps you. Um, Just keep your concentration and the words, the word search will come up um, on the... On the PowerPoint, they come up in red uh, on bold, and you can hunt those down if that helps you uh, concentrate. And there are a couple of special words in the word search for those who were at the um, Soul Survivor Day yesterday. So um, you just have to guess those and hunt them out for yourselves. Okay, it's just a little special treat. Okay, for those who were there yesterday. Galatians, okay, we're getting the gospel right. Well, you may have noticed um, in, in the man's garden there are some kind of groundworks going on. If you haven't, then I invite you to wander down the, um, uh, the back of the car park later on and have a little look. It looks, it looks something like that. I was going to say all the work of my own hands, but that's entirely untrue. It's kind of like I do about 30% and Leslie does about 70 And we are not, as, as has been suggested, trying to create a replica World War I gun emplacement. Um, that, that would kind of infuse Jonah no end. Um, he, he would love that. 
But we don't need to defend ourselves from marauding residents of Noel Green coming across the river. So we're not doing that. We're just, um, it's a little flat space where, you know, where the gun would have gone um, for a greenhouse because um, that's the sunniest part of the garden. Um, it's a special birthday present for a special birthday for the special lady, okay? So a little greenhouse is going to go there. But it's complicated by the fact that the garden's not flat. Okay, it slopes down this way. I mean, I know the, the photo makes it look like it slopes, but it really does. Okay, it slopes down this way, it slopes down that way. And it's full of rubble. And so like many DIY projects, your first challenge is, is to find it, is to choose a reference point. Choose a reference point, and then you have to try and make everything else square, you know, with your, with your T-square or your set square or your, or your laser level. That's the new toy. Um, and try and get everything else square towards your reference point. And walking out the Christian life has this same kind of challenge to it. You have to kind of find your reference point, and then you have to kind of peg out your plan and, and your levels. And you can guarantee that the terrain is not always going to be level. It's, there are times it's going to be stony, that it's going to slope up, it's going to slope down. But you need to find some fixed points and put some pegs in to show where things kind of ought to go. And that will help us get everything square. And so to help us get, you know, our reference point uh, is Paul's book of Galatians for the moment. It's a great gospel reference point. And we're going to just um, look at some of those things we can peg out from it today to help us get the gospel right and therefore know how to walk out our Christian lives. And we start, well, we're picking up this, um, we're, we're picking up actually in the middle of a conversation. So it's a strange place to start, but I'm just kind of like wrestling with where to divide it because we've got so much to get through and so little time. Um, but we're picking up actually in the middle of a conversation between Paul and Peter. Um, and, and Paul says to him, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know, know that a person's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we, he says, along with the Gentiles, we put our faith in Christ. Because, and this is such an important statement, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. What he means is that by works of the law, we're talking about Old Testament um, moral law, but by works of the law, no one will be justified. But what does justified mean? Well, you know, justified means exactly what it means when we talk about it in everyday life. You justify yourself when you... You, you want to prove yourself innocent. You know, you can imagine a conversation where somebody's accused you of something. Um, to justify yourself is to kind of prove that you were innocent and you weren't wrong. So somebody might say, I broke the window because um, Nathan distracted me just as I was about to kick the ball. Uh, the sun was in my eyes and the wind took it off in a direction I didn't expect. Okay, that's, just, that's justifying yourself, isn't it? It's kind of like finding a reason why you are not guilty uh, and you are innocent. Or you go to work and you say, I didn't complete the assignment because I was ill. My children was ill. My wife was ill. Uh, I had to get them to the doctor and then I had to take them to school. You're trying to find a, a reason to, to, to describe, well, you are not guilty of the things you are uh, accused of. And it's just the same in religious terms. So to be justified is to be proved innocent or declared innocent uh, in front of God. Um, and Paul says... Uh, to Peter, he says, we Jews know that a person is not justified by works of the law. You cannot prove yourself innocent 
by the moral stuff that you do. It is impossible. He says, uh, we Jews, we know that. We've had the law for a millennium and a half. We know from history, we know from personal experience that no one can justify themselves by pleading that they've kept the law. It just cannot be done. It is, it is physically and theoretically impossible. And so he says, we, okay, along with, with the Gentiles, along with the non-Jews, we've put our trust in Jesus. That's the only way to be declared innocent before God. And it's for Jews and, and, and Gentiles alike. It can't be done through the law, he says, so we've joined in with the Gentiles. We've trusted Christ. We've trusted what he's done. He provides the innocence that we need because he's lived a perfectly innocent life. Uh, and by faith, we, we trust that, that God credits that to us. And he supplies the punishment for our lack of innocence, uh, and we know that. Dies on the cross. Payment for everything I've done wrong. Because, Paul says, and I encourage you just to read this end of, uh, you know, end of chapter 2 again uh, later on if you get a chance in the afternoon. By, by works of the law, no one will be justified. No one, no one, no one from east to west, from rich to poor, from north to south, no one will ever, ever, in any circumstances, be justified by works of the law. No one can prove their innocence by appealing to their moral performance. No one ever. So let it die. Okay, let that impulse die. Okay? It's there, you know, and it's probably there in all of us. I think it's, it's there in our natural sinful selves. We want to prove ourselves. We want to justify ourselves. Let it die. How many people have seen the film The Lorax? Okay, okay, you won't understand this. Okay, too many references to kids' films, I know. But there's a great song at the end where, um, uh, too much to explain, but, there's, um, but the goodies are saying, let's plant these trees instead of having bottled air and let it grow. And the baddie comes along and sings, let it die, let it die, let it shrivel up and die. And I just, oh, I'm going to sing that to you, you know, and you just kind of, until you're embarrassed, until you get the message, this impulse to justify yourself, let it die, let it die. Let it shrivel up and die. Because it needs to. Because no one uh, is going to be justified by works of the law. Let it shrivel up and die. So peg one, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. This gospel that we believe, you cannot prove yourself innocent by the law let that impulse die. Salvation is it, it, a gift. And that's good news, isn't it? Isn't that really good news? Don't you think so? Okay, so that's the gospel stated. Okay, but then the gospel is questioned, or at least Paul, uh, Paul imagines kind of a, a, an objection that, that, that Peter might be making. Uh, there in, in, in verse 17. But if in seeking to be justified by Christ, if I'm going to put my faith in Christ, but I'm a Jew, but I find myself then amongst the Gentiles, I find myself kind of identifying uh, with and allying myself uh, amongst them, some Gentiles, and, and in a Jewish mind, the Gentiles are just dirty sinners, doesn't that mean uh, that, that Christ promotes sin? 
So in his desire to be justified by faith, here's Peter, allying himself with some, some Gentiles, who in the past is, is assumed were all dirty sinners. It, it feels uh, as if, it feels as if Christ promotes sin. I'm two or three ahead of you here in. So, Paul is imagining this, this objection that Peter might, that might make. Uh, um, I, I'm trusting Christ along with these Gentiles, but that just makes... Ugh, just, you know, it's making his skin crawl a little bit, that he has to kind of ally himself with these people who he just assumed were kind of dirty sinners. And so, Peter, now that he's amongst these, these Gentiles, he doesn't feel like he's doing enough religious stuff. And that's why we found, found him earlier on. He... he, he He'd gone away from the freedom he had just to eat with Gentiles and he's just eating with Jews and he's just eating all the kosher food again. Because he can't quite get his head around this fact that um, he's free from all that now. And so Paul imagines Peter saying, but, but if, I, if I'm suddenly here amongst these sinful Gentiles, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Paul says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He says, but rather if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really will be a lawbreaker. So he says to Peter, it isn't this fact that you've stepped out of all that ritual, Old Testament ritual of self-justification into this place uh, with the Gentiles. It's not, it's not that that's wrong. But if you went back from there into all this ritual stuff, it, it would actually be that that would prove that you're a lawbreaker because suddenly you're going back to law and you can't keep it. So poor old Peter is standing over here and feeling a bit naked without all this blanket, uh, comfort blanket of religious stuff. So peg two. Christianity, done well, always looks insufficiently religious, I would suggest. Okay. Christianity, done properly, always looks insufficiently religious. If, the, if there's stuff in, in and around church which looks religious, it probably isn't. But what is certainly true is to be a, a Christian, you have to be ready to be counted amongst the sinners. To be ready to be counted amongst the sinners. Are you ready? Are you ready to be counted a sinner? So the gospel stated, the gospel questioned, um, how is the gospel lived out? Well, Paul goes on to say this. He says, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't set aside the grace of God. But this is a really, a really strong statement. Uh, through the law, I died to the law. Through the law, I died to the law. The law, uh, the moral law is a dead thing. Okay? The law cannot bring life. Okay? All the law can do is kill you off. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the letter, the letter, in other words, the law kills, but the spirit gives life. 
So the law is powerless to change you without the work of the Holy Spirit. The law is powerless to change you when you're powerless to change. So what you should have discovered somewhere in your history uh, is that your attempts to keep the law ended in disappointment and disillusionment. You should have, you should have discovered that. And actually, I was really encouraged because I'd look back in my history uh, and think, yes, I did discover that. I can remember at about 14, uh, we're going to Church of England churches, and I, I got confirmed, which I didn't really understand at the time, and I didn't understand the gospel. What I thought it meant was that um, uh, I needed to kind of conf- be good. That, that was the thing I took away from it, that Christianity was all about being good, um, and being confirmed was saying I was going to make a really extra effort to be good. Okay, and as I've told you before, the thing that killed that off was that I couldn't stop arguing with my sister. Okay? The little sister was two years younger than I was. Just kick each other under the table at mealtimes. Um, but I knew within months of, of getting confirmed that I've kind of saying, I'm going to make this extra effort. Um, I knew within months it was a dead loss. It was a dead loss. So the law killed off in me kind of any sense that I was going to get right by the law. Through the law, I died to the law. The law itself just killed off in me any hope that I had that I could justify myself by faith. So the the work of the law actually is self-defeating and it kills itself off. You should have experienced that somewhere along the way. But when you put your hope in Christ, a couple of remarkable things occur. Okay, so you were crucified with Christ. When you trust in Christ, God considers you to have been crucified with Christ. What an amazing thing. So all the stuff that that you did, all, all the wrong stuff, all the shortcomings, all the mistakes, all the deliberate uh, rebellions. Okay? All, uh, God says, well, that was crucified. That was paid for in and, and, and with Christ. You were crucified with Christ. In the sense that all you've done is, is, is paid for and gone, hallelujah. It was atoned for um, by Jesus. So there is this kind of once-for-all aspect that you were crucified with Christ and bang, all the, all the stuff that might count against you in God's evaluation is gone. So there's that kind of past aspect that's gone. It, it, it's once-for-all. You, you've been crucified with Christ. But that carries on. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of present... Uh, present aspect for that, that you are still somebody who, who was crucified with Christ. I kind of came, we spent a lovely day yesterday, Soul Survivor, um, learning about worship. Um, day before that, church leaders in Staines spent a day in prayer. I've, I've spent two days being really spiritual, um, and I'm absolutely shattered. Okay, it's just, I don't know, it's just all this being spiritual, it's worn me out. And so I was walking out of the house this morning and looked, at, looked down at Hannah and I said, I feel really spaced. And I thought, maybe she doesn't know what I mean by that. I said, I just feel a bit like a zombie. 
bit like The Walking Dead. She, I mean, she still looked at me and kind of with blank look on her face. Um, but I am The Walking Dead. I am the walking dead. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is you. You, you being, you being crucified with Christ. The, 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 the you, the sinful you, uh, has been paid for once for all, but also the sinful you has been uh, dealt a death blow uh, by Christ. And now we have to put that old self behind us. And now Christ lives, you, uh, lives in you by his Holy Spirit. It's a present reality. And so Paul says now we live for God, not against God the law. So I think there's a difference here about the kind of motivation or the direction of your mind. If there's a mind that says, look, the law is over, this tells me what's wrong. I'm living kind of against what is wrong, and that's soul-destroying. And if all you're doing is, is trying to avoid the law, then you discover that, that, that there's no power in that. But actually, now, we're, we're living for God. We kind of have our eyes in another direction. I found it hard to think of a way of illustrating that, but I wonder whether it's the difference between, let's say, walking through you know, a red light district in Amsterdam or in, or, or in London as kind of a, a single man, um, and, and you know what's wrong, but the temptation in there, and, it, and it's hard, and you're just walking, um, doing the right thing, and it's the difference between that and, uh, and marrying the love of your life who outshines all the rest. And were you to walk through the red light district with her, your eyes would be on her. Uh, you're living for her. Uh, and, and it gives you a, a new purpose. Gives you a new direction of looking, but also it gives you a new energising against those things that are wrong. So the life that you now live in the body, you've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. But... Christ lives in you, so the life you live in the body is lived um, by faith in the Son of God. And I think this is what this means, is that you now keep your eyes, the eyes of faith, um, on Christ. Keep your eyes of faith on Christ, who loved you, loved you, and, and gave himself for you. So your eyes are now on Christ. The eyes of faith, and you look at the cross, as we're going to do in a few moments' time, and you look at the cross and you see there that Jesus loved you. In that act, in that moment, um, through all those events that, that Ernie spoke about, he loved you and gave himself for you. Tim Keller writes, Only when I see myself as completely loved and holy in Christ will I have the power to repent with joy, conquer my fears, and obey the one who did this all for me. So, peg three, okay, um, is to look at Christ first. Keep your eyes on Christ. You are loved, you are forgiven. 
And look at Christ before you look at the law. So we've seen the gospel stated, um, uh, the gospel uh, objected to, we've seen the gospel uh, in, in, uh, lived out. But now Paul wants to make an argument from the, from the gospel in the Galatians' own experience. And he says to them, you foolish Galatians. He's quite rude, isn't he, uh, in this book, but rude with a purpose. You foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And I want to just learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so stupid that after beginning by means of the Spirit, you're now trying to finish by, by means of the flesh? So you started by faith, Paul says. You saw Jesus Christ clearly portrayed as crucified, portrayed in preaching. Okay, portrayed as Paul brought the gospel to them. You saw Christ clearly portrayed as crucified through the gospel preaching. Okay, you trusted what Christ did on the cross as being for, for, uh, for you, as a sacrifice of forgiveness, and you received, as a result, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Come and be Christ in you. How did you become a Christian? That's what Paul says to them, and he's saying the same to you this morning. He says, um, how, how did you become a Christian? Is it, was it works of the law? Did, did, did you think you, you come to Christ by being a nice bloke? Nice lady, I, I hope you're still not under that misapprehension. You came to Christ through faith, didn't you? Somewhere along the line you saw Christ crucified on the cross through, through somebody's preaching and you, you trusted it. What happened? Well, what should have happened is you received the Holy Spirit. Being the real presence of, uh, of God with you. Paul said they, they see miracles because of what the Holy Spirit does. And we, we occasionally see miracles, maybe not as often as we should. But having begun by faith and having received the Holy Spirit, why on earth would you now think it's all about you? Why on earth would you think that now it's about making it on your own by performance of the moral law? And Paul says to them, you've experienced God in a new way. And he says, if you go back to the law, then it's all been in vain. Does God do miracles amongst churches because they do good stuff, or is it the continued working of the Holy Spirit as the personal presence of God? Peg four. Beware, carrying on as if God is not personally present. It's not Christianity if God is not personally present. And if you don't have a sense of God being personally present, then you'll make a number of mistakes and they sort of compound and build on one another. If you don't have a sense as you walk through your Christian life that God is personally present, then you'll make the mistake of glorifying yourself rather than God. You'll think it's about you, about God. If God's not personally present, you'll think you can make it work for your own ends and you will think you can make it work out of your own energies. And you'll find, when you, come, when you discover, if you're under that misapprehension, if you, when you discover that you can't be holy by your own energies, then you'll be tempted to redefine holiness as something simpler than it really is. So it's critical 
that we recognize that God has come to live in us and among us uh, by his Holy Spirit as the, uh, as the, uh, the personal presence of Christ. And finally, keep moving on quickly, gospel continuity. Paul says, and we'll pick up a little bit more about this um, uh, next week, it, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as, as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are, are children of Abraham. Scripture, this is an amazing statement. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Abraham understood the gospel. Abraham understood uh, that salvation was by grace through faith. It always has been, always will be. Um, it, it has never changed. God called Abraham to, to, to be his friend. Abraham accepted. Trusted God and, and God declared him righteous. That's always been the way of being right with God. Is that God gives you an invitation, he calls you. He says, come, come be my friend. Out of grace, and if you, uh, and as you trust me, I, I, I credit that to you as, as righteousness. And Paul goes on to say that all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Cursed is everyone who doesn't continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Okay, now he's just, I guess, starting to repeat himself now. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified by God because the righteous will live by faith. So the point is this. If you go back to trying to be justified by the law, by your moral behavior, then the point is you have to get it right at every single point of the law, at every single moral decision, at every instance of, of every day. If you want to be justified by the law, you have to get it right all the time. Paul says nobody does that, nobody ever has done that. Cursed are those who rely on the works of the law. That's the only possible thing it can do. Uh, it, it's, it's curse you. Good news. Christ, Paul says, took that curse when he, when he hung on the cross so that you might receive Abraham's blessing. What's Abraham's blessing? It's that invitation. It's that call to be a friend, be God's friend. Friendship with God and the indwelling the Holy Spirit. Wow, what an invitation. What good news. So peg five. Okay, well actually it's, it's not really a peg. Okay, it's a false peg. Don't be distracted by the kind of false peg. Okay, it's not really a peg. It's actually a muddy carrot. I think, okay. Some things look square with the gospel, which really aren't, you know. Doing lots of good works, okay. As a way of kind of getting right with God. Okay, there's a false peg here which says that actually, well, everybody in the Old Testament was saved, was saved by works. Well, they weren't. Okay. It is always by grace. It always has been. It is a relationship offered um, and, and taken on trust.
What then do we do with the law? What do we do with the law? Well, that's a, that's a story for another day. Come back next week um, uh, and find out. There's the really good answers to that, but we're not going to talk about them today because Paul is making a point and we're making a point that you can't be right with God uh, by trusting works of the law. So to sum up, this, this, is, this is the gospel. Okay? You cannot prove yourself innocent before God by, by works of law, by moral effort, in any sense, uh, shape or form. So accept righteousness as a gift. Hear God's call to be his friend, come and trust him, and when you trust him, God credits that to you as righteousness. Fantastic. Christianity will always look insufficiently religious. I can tell by the kind of quizzical look on your faces. You either don't understand that or, you're kind of a, or you don't agree. Well, let's, come on, let's, let's have a, we'll talk about that um, later on. But I think real Christianity will always look insufficiently religious. I, I, I think you have to go back and just maybe have a look at Jesus' life. You know, did it look really religious? Or was he actually accused of being insufficiently religious? I think you'll find that he was. So steal yourself for that accusation. Because actually it's about, primarily about relationship, isn't it? You're going to have to train your conscience to be ready to uh, reject any unnecessary extra rules added in as ways of salvation. And you're going to need to be ready to identify yourself as a sinner and to identify with sinners. Look to Christ before you look to the law. Especially when you fall. That's, that's the danger point, is when you've tripped up somewhere and instead of looking to Christ and coming back to the cross, you say to yourself, I'm going to try harder next time. And by saying that, you've gone back to law or you're in danger of going back to the law. So when you fall, come back to the cross, God is ready to forgive you, fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit. And rely on God's personal presence. You being crucified with Christ, you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. You are the walking dead. Christ lives in you by his Holy Spirit. Just check. I think some of you need to go home and and, and check whether you haven't actually been walking on your own. And how are we going to do that? Well, we've got a prime opportunity to accept the gift of, um, of righteousness, here it is portrayed for you uh, at the table. The blood, uh, body and blood of Christ, broken for you, shed for you. This is, this is as much ritual as we need. Two sacraments, communion and, 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 and baptism. And particularly if you've fallen or you're conscious that you've fallen, look to Christ before you look to the law. Come back to the cross. Look at Christ, what he has done. You were crucified with Christ. You no longer live. Christ lives in you. And if you've been walking alone, then today's the moment to come and walk um, in the light of the cross and in fellowship with Christ.